Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline Destrumps, here to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by Another Hand Advantage, where I create marketing strategies for community-minded small businesses and nonprofits that fit your schedule and budget while making your brand stand out in front of your audience. And joining me in our virtual studio today <laughs> is Kate Thone, Executive Director at Waste Not. Hello, Kate. Hello, how are you? <laughs> and Danielle McMahon, Director of Food Services with St. Vincent de Paul. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. I guess you could kind of tell by the, the names, uh, well, at least with um, Director of uh, Food Services, that we might be talking a little bit about uh, food today. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to not only learn more about both your organizations, um, but also uh, to learn how you guys have been uh, partnering, um, especially you know in these past few months uh, with everything that's been going on uh, in the world and in our uh, community here in Arizona. Um, so looking forward to just jumping right in. <laughs> so, um, Kate, why don't we start with you? Uh, just a quick little introduction about yourself and um, your time at Waste Not and how you landed there. Yeah. So thanks so much for having me today. Um, yes, my name is Kate Thone. I'm executive director at Waste Not. And we are an organization that is really focused on prepared and perishable food and we want to prevent that food from going to waste. And instead of ending up in the landfill, we are there to provide transportation services to get it to our partner nonprofit agencies in the Phoenix area. So I've been with Waste Not for a little over two years, but have spent my entire career in nonprofit management. So yeah, I'm excited to talk more about Waste Not and um, uh, talk to my friend Danielle and. Uh, we can talk about our partnership in the last few months because it's been um, something special, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Danielle, um, talk to us a little bit about uh, St. Vincent de Paul and your role there. Um, and again, a little bit about uh, how you ended up as the uh, Director of Food Services. Yeah. So hi, everyone. My name is Danielle McMahon, Director of Food Services at St. Vincent de Paul. Uh, St. Vincent de Paul has been in Phoenix for almost 75 years. Mm -hmm. Our focus is really helping the community in need and also giving the community the opportunity to serve with us and come and volunteer and be a helping hand. I've been at St. Vincent de Paul for over eight years in my role as director for about three uh, I came to St. Vincent de Paul right out of college at ASU. I've born and raised in Arizona. Um, and I've really just always had a passion for community. And I really was able to find my place here at St. Vincent. So uh, hunger relief is a huge role uh, that we play in the community. And yeah, I'm just thankful to be here today. So share a little bit, um, both of you, how you came into um, having hunger relief as really being kind of a passion of yours and something that you have uh, really wanted to uh, not only uh, work in, in your, uh, in your positions with your organizations, but why is that so important to you personally? Start. So I worked at St. Mary's Food Bank for 10 years. I ran their community kitchen program. 
And um, it was during those years that I really was introduced to hunger relief and also just the power of food to transform people's lives. I've been in various positions and different nonprofits, but always had my hands in the piece of food and hunger relief. When this opportunity with Waste Not came about, it was a great marriage between hunger relief and environmental and working with the commercial kitchens throughout the valley to provide them a great business solution for their excess food. So Waste Not has been uh, operating in the valley for 32 years now. And every year we're rescuing millions, uh, millions of pounds of excess food, great quality food that would otherwise end up in the landfill. And we're getting it to agencies like San Francisco Colony. Food is a huge piece of our lives and breaking bread and sharing a table like we're able to do in our dining rooms at St. Vincent de Paul is such a huge tool in helping people find ways to take that next step in improving their lives, ending their homelessness, and really just establishing that sense of community that we at St. Vincent de Paul are able to do between our volunteers and the guests that we serve. Through my time at St. Vincent de Paul as well, I've learned a lot about our, our food systems in our state and just how much food there is that goes to waste that could be feeding people in need. There's such a huge need uh, for food in people's houses, for food in our dining rooms. There's really no reason why as a community we can't come together and work to finding outlets for all that food, which is, again, that great marriage between St. Vincent de Paul and Waste Not that we've been able to create to get that food to people, people in need. And I, I'm trying to remember now which one of you, uh, when we were uh, first putting together this segment, one of you pointed out that a lot of times when people think of food waste, they think of, you know, oh, that half-eaten apple that you throw away in the trash and, oh, what, what harm could that do? But there's really, uh, you both kind of touched on it, there's really a huge uh, piece behind that. It's not just that apple being thrown away, it's, it's more. So, Kate, can you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of that uniqueness of Waste Not and how it's different from other programs? Like you said, you worked for St. Mary's Food Bank. They do, you know, canned food drives and things like that. But Waste Not is different. What type of, you're, you're rescuing food. <laughs> Absolutely. The, you know, food banking and food rescue are just totally different operations. Mm-hmm. We have, our parent organization is United Food Bank. They do incredible work um, in the East Valley and in several uh, counties throughout Arizona, but our work is so different. We're both focusing on getting food to people who need it, but our um, operation is super streamlined. We don't even use a building. We don't warehouse food. We don't sort it. We don't repackage it. We don't box it. We simply send out a fleet of refrigerated trucks they're picking up food that would otherwise be thrown away. And on the same day, they're delivering it to nonprofits. So it's literally, we have a mobile operation that is in the community, that operates in the community. Um, the bulk of our employees work remotely, of course, during COVID, yes. But even outside of you know these crazy times, we're working remotely, we're out in the community and We do not get government uh, funding for our food. Unlike a lot of food banks, they do a lot of government food program distributions. 
and they get funding for doing that. We don't get any money from the government. We also don't charge for the food that we provide to the agencies we serve. Um, it's very common in food banking that they charge a, what they call a shared maintenance fee. So those agencies are participating in kind of um, paying a small, small fee, but again, paying for the food that they receive. So, you know, and I can go on and on about how we're so different, but um, we don't deal with new food. We don't do food drives. We don't ask people to purchase new food and give it to us. We are there to be a business solution for the food service industry, licensed commercial kitchens that have excess food. So we're primarily working with catering companies and event venues and hotels and restaurants. You know, just as you said, food banking is the cans of food and more of the shelf-stable food. Um, they work a lot with grocery stores. We do too, but it's just, there's just so many different ways in which um, we just operate in a completely different manner. Right. So I imagine, you know, a lot of uh, nonprofits, when everything kind of shut down um, during this pandemic, a lot of nonprofits, you know, they had shut down also. They didn't, you know, they didn't have volunteers. They couldn't do the events that they wanted. But I imagine with Waste Not, you mentioned you're working with restaurants and hotels and things like that. They probably had full freezers or full fridges and food that now they can't serve. I, was that something then that you went out and, and actually saw an uptick in what you were doing? Oh, in a huge way. Yeah. Um, at the very beginning, it was the events that started closing down first. So we saw a lot of food coming from our catering partners mm-hmm. and event venues and conference centers. We got all the food from the spring training venues. We have gotten food from airlines. I mean, this is food that we don't typically receive. Right. And then the second wave came as the restaurants were closing down. So we had a huge um, kind of surge in those types of donations. Mm -hmm. Then when those all went away, I was really scared and concerned that we wouldn't have enough food to provide to our agencies because um, like with St. Vincent de Paul, we supplement the food that they have. But for some of our smaller agencies, we are the only food that they have. So, I mean, that's a huge weight on your shoulders to know that, you know, you're responsible for the food supply for several businesses. So we were really concerned. However, what was amazing was that we started seeing businesses like Salad and Go and The Deuce, a restaurant in South Phoenix, like Daisy has a has a dairy plant like we we now saw a big response in philanthropic food donations and this is food that we typically don't really um, see a lot of a lot of times um, you know restaurants and, and food service industry outlets have such a small profit margin they don't really have a lot of excess food and so we don't we don't see that. But it was like they just really stepped up and the generosity of the community was pretty incredible. Um, And we just started seeing, you know, these philanthropic food donations instead of what was left over from businesses. Right. 
And Danielle, then how, how has this affected St. Vincent de Paul then in your food program? Um, I'm sure it affected, you know, all sorts of the services that St. Vincent de Paul offer in our community, but um, most specifically, how about your food program and making sure that you're able to, to feed those who need it? Our focus in food is kind of twofold. It's our congregate dining programs and then our food box programs. So in our dining rooms, we really had to, you know, do a complete turnaround in the way that we run things. So instead of doing congregate settings, we shifted to all to-go meals, kind of just like the restaurants did. Yeah. Uh, with our kitchen staff too, we ended up to ended up vendoring out a lot of our meals to different restaurant partners. And it was kind of a it was a win-win. It enabled us to have our staff be able to be safe by not bringing in 95% of our workforce as our volunteers, uh, limiting that exposure, and then also supporting local businesses so that they could keep on some of their employees as well. That was a, a huge shift. We're still doing some of that as well. And then in our food boxing program, it really caused a lot of our regular supporters to cancel drives. Um, you know, our second biggest food drive of the year was postponed offices weren't gathering, churches weren't gathering. So those food drives that typically were happening, all of a sudden stopped uh, pretty cold. So organizations like Waste Not and Goodwill, the restaurants like Salad and Go, um, and several others kind of stepped up and said, hey, we have new resources that we didn't have before because of a pandemic. Do you want it? There was also shifts in food suppliers too that they weren't able to sell product like they were before. So there were some interesting donations coming to us mm-hmm. through that too, that we, you know, we, we all get creative in the food banking and community food world. Um, so it was, it was a huge shift. Uh, we're still shifting. I feel like we're, we're in a groove now, but um, it's still changing. We're, we're just now letting some of our volunteers come back in and serve with us in a limited way, but we're still in a completely no-touch model at our dining rooms where it's still all-to-go meals. It's been a big shift. Uh, You know, at St. Vincent de Paul, we really have taken a lot of pride in that community, that sharing of a table, that very much, uh, I want to say that, that touch model where we can really embrace people. And now we're socially distancing. (laughs) it's been a, a big shift for us, but we're finding our way and finding ways to still do it with as much compassion as we did before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And you both really touched on, um, I, I'm sure I, to me, it sounded like it was an easy shift for both organizations. Uh, I'm sure there was a lot more that went into it than that, but you know, here we are in June and this happened, started to happen in March. Um, and you both, you know, it's, to me, sound pretty confident in, in those changes that you've made. What do you attribute that to? As I, again, I'm sure we didn't see any of the hiccups, but what do you attribute that, that smooth transition to? Well, I can say for Waste Not, we're a very small organization. I mean, we have nine employees. So we are nimble. We can we can pick up the phone or get on a Zoom call or get together um, quickly and brainstorm and make decisions and move. So I would say that that really helped us. Also, we don't serve people directly. 
So we are providing nonprofits the food that they need to serve people. So I feel like, you know, there was just a spike in, in the quantity of food that we were accepting. So we just had to do more of what we would have already done in the first place. Uh, we were all just busier and working harder, uh, but our model didn't have to change. Um, of course, we were, you know, more cognizant of safety, sanitation, providing all of our drivers masks and things like that. But I would say the real innovation came from our agency partners like St. Vincent de Paul. Yeah, for us, you know, I we work with people in crisis every day. Crisis response is one of our our, our strengths. It's something we do all the time. So our staff and our volunteers are very used to being flexible and pivoting to the shifts that can happen in our community very quickly, whether it's a pandemic or a natural disaster or a huge influx of refugee families in our state. We adapt and pivot and just kind of keep keep doing that. Um, so it it wasn't easy by by any means, but it's something that isn't foreign to us as an organization. Um, and St. Vincent de Paul really has a lot of support from our community. And even though we asked volunteers to stay home, there was a lot of how can we help? Mm-hmm. Um, so not only was our staff pivoting and changing, but so was our support community. So it it happened and we're <laughs> we're pleased with how it's been going. And we're still serving the community as much as we were before. And that need in our community is unfortunately going to to rise. Um, It does every summer, but it will even more this summer. So you both have touched on volunteers a little bit. Talk to me a little bit about um, how were volunteers involved before and are you, you know, are you still working with volunteers? What does that model kind of look like now? So as I mentioned, Waste Not has been serving the Valley for 32 years now. And with the exception of just a couple of events, Every year, we really didn't uh, have a lot of volunteer opportunities, kind of the opposite of the St. Vincent de Paul model, where they really have to have volunteers. It makes up a tremendous percentage of their workforce. So we were kind of the opposite of that, um, because really our operation is just so streamlined. I mean, we have drivers picking up product and delivering it. That is really our operation. So um, we don't typically have the need for volunteers, although... Last November, we deployed a food rescue app that um, really allows businesses, smaller businesses, restaurants in the community to simply use their smartphone to post uh, excess food. And then our, it alerts our agencies and a volunteer driver to transport that food product for them. Oh, wow. So uh, between last November and now, we've trained uh, about 50 almost 60 volunteer drivers um, that are rescuing food for us all the time. One thing that we're doing a little bit different now because of the pandemic, we know that there are a lot of homebound seniors and a lot of elderly folks in our communities that should not be out grocery shopping and should not be out in the public. So we have leveraged that technology to... Uh, We've partnered with the city of Scottsdale and they give us a list of homebound seniors and they provide the food bags 
And we deploy the volunteers to transport that food with our app. And that is something um, that we did very quickly and very differently um, because, again, we're small and we can kind of get together and say, oh, my gosh, you know, what is the need and how can we be a part of the solution? Um, so we've done that. And we have seen a lot of people that want to help and want to volunteer. So we are still holding virtual volunteer driver orientations now. That happened, you know, we, we have never done one until the pandemic. So they were always in person. Um, so we uh, figured out a platform to use and uh, videos and things of that nature. And so now we can offer that volunteer experience to people in the community that want to deliver food either agencies or to hold them. Yeah, for us at Statements DePaul, volunteers are 95% of our workforce. It's half of our mission is giving people the opportunity to serve their community. Uh, so when the pandemic hit and we said, volunteers, we love you, please stay home. Again, just total shift in all of our operations. Uh, volunteers at Statements DePaul do everything from delivering food boxes, serving in a dining room, to volunteering in our medical and dental clinics as physicians. Uh, so it, we sh again, we just shifted everything. So we came up with a how to volunteer at home guide. We had people working on translating different documents from us for us at home, making us masks for all of our frontline workers. Uh, we've allowed some of our volunteers back, back in now with a limited capacity, you know, instead of 50 people in our kitchen, it's 15. Um, instead of 20 in a dining room, it's five. And we're trying to still make sure that we're keeping everyone safe, focusing on, you know, maybe bringing back some of those less vulnerable individuals, making sure we're social distancing in dining rooms, carrying out that no touch method, mask wearing, temp taking. We really are trying to keep everyone safe and that includes our volunteers. Uh, we still have volunteers all out over throughout the state delivering food boxes, but instead of them going into homes, they're dropping at the door and having kind of a, a socially distanced doorway conversation and intake with people. But, you know, we, we hope to be able to return to our, you know, our big volunteer events. Uh, we have some volunteer events where we have 250 people and that's just not not possible right now and it's not safe for anyone. So we're also trying to encourage some of those volunteer groups to do uh, virtual drives for us. Uh, we have a fun uh, SVDP pantry challenge that we've asked people to partake in where they're having their kids at home build structures with canned goods and post it online. So we've tried to get creative and allowed people to still give back, but from the safety of their home. So it's still people are still involved with us. And I think a lot of people are really ready to come back and help us like the good old days. Um, and we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Walk me through Danielle a little bit about what that, um, what that looked like, you know, previously, as far as the service that you provide, because you mentioned you have the, um, the in-person dining aspect of your, um, of your program, but then you also have the food box one. So I think yeah. a lot of people are probably familiar with food boxes and, and how that might work. But as far as the dining component of your program, what did that look like? Yeah. So St. Vincent de Paul operates five dining rooms throughout the state. They are, you know, big dining rooms filled with people anywhere from a hundred guests to 300 or 400 guests a day. 
uh, across all dining rooms, we serve around 4,000 meals every day of the week. Wow. Uh, that takes a lot of people to execute. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot of people to serve. Uh, so depending on the site, uh, our dining rooms for more homeless experiencing individuals, it's kind of what you'd think. It's a line. People come through. Volunteers are serving our guests with a smile. There's lots of conversation between our guests and our volunteers. Lots of community table settings. We also have our family dining room. So the family dining room is a really special place. Families get to come in with their children, uh, have that dinner table in our dining room that they're maybe not able to provide for their children at home. We ran that facility like a restaurant. So volunteers go and take orders. Uh, they greet them at the door, walk them to their tables. Oh, wow. Um, we have menus. We really tried to focus on that family dinner experience so that they could have those moments with their kids here at St. Winston Paul. So, you know, it's, we really, our dining rooms were meant to help people feel like they were at home and be able to walk in. They get to know our volunteers by name. It's very special to us. Yeah. Yeah. Kate, and as far as, um, what does it look like as far, you know, you mentioned the food that you're picking up is, is fresh food. It's coming from restaurants, caterers, hotels, um, kind of like walk me through, I guess, maybe like that life cycle of that food as it comes into those, those different businesses and then how it gets to waste not. And then, and then what happens to it? Yeah. So, um, typically uh, I'll use like a caterer, for example, um, typically catering companies will prepare and charge um, their customers to ensure that they have more than enough food to feed their guests because the last thing that they want to have happen is to run out of food at an event. So they will um, they'll overproduce, intentionally overproduce, and they will serve from either a buffet or they'll plate, but they will keep a portion of the food back in a commercial kitchen or in a serving room, a warming kitchen, and um, they will have excess food products left over. So what happens is they take that food back to their uh, commercial kitchen. So let's say a catering company took it out to a venue, they served food, they have the, that excess food in the back that never got consumed. They'll take that excess food back to their location in a refrigerated vehicle. They'll pull that food overnight and they'll put it in a location that we know about. And our drivers will come the next day. They'll pick up that food and they'll make all of their other stops. And then they'll start dropping it off at our partner agencies. So we serve typically between 55 and 65 nonprofit agencies. Um, some of our nonprofit agencies did close because of the pandemic. Um, I think it, it was about seven of them that, um, not closing for good, but just didn't want to um, distribute food. And so those our drivers um, drive refrigerated box trucks, and they start dropping off at our agencies. And what's really awesome about our drivers is that they get to know the agencies that we serve. And they know what kind of food can be served at, or beneficial to whatever specific agency. So there are agencies, I mean, we have, we have churches that we're delivering food to that will 
um, allow members of the community to come in and kind of do like a grocery store kind of setup where they're just um, picking out the food that they like. There's also agencies like Safe and Nepal that can do bulk food uh, boxes and they do uh, commercial cooking. Uh, we serve UMOM and we serve after school programs, boys and girls clubs, again, churches, rehab uh, centers, uh, drug and alcohol addiction uh, rehab centers and halfway houses. So it, really there's a huge variety of services, of uh, social services that are being uh, done by our agency partners. So it's really critical that our drivers understand how they distribute and use our food so we can get the right food to the right AOT in the right amount. Yeah. And how did then this partnership come about with Waste Not and St. Vincent de Paul? Was this something that, was it already a pretty robust partnership before everything happened in March and, and uh, the pandemic? Or, you know, how did you see that changing uh, over time? Yeah, so um, a couple years ago, we actually parked our fleet of vehicles at St. Vincent de Paul. Mm -hmm. So as I mentioned, um, Waste Not is just a mobile operation. So we have over the years parked our fleet at different agency partners just so we could save money so we didn't have to pay for a parking lot or a building or a facility to do that. We've had really generous uh, community partners step up and say, use our lot. You know, you can park your fleet here. It's just overnight. They're smaller trucks. So we did that for a while at St. Vincent de Paul. And so we parked our trucks there. We, um, at the end of the day, if we had any compost, we would add it to their, their farm, their organic farm that they have there on site. And the partnership has just kind of grown and evolved over time. They just do amazing work. So we always know that they have a need. Um, they have large freezers and coolers. They have the capacity to take whatever volume we have, they'll take it and <laughs> they'll put it to good use. So when the pandemic happened, it's just, we just knew like they're doing thousands of to-go meals every day. They need our help. <laughs> you know? yeah. And we've, we've got this extra food coming in, you know, from these event venues and all of these restaurants that are closing down. As our volumes were going up, we knew that the needs of our agencies were going up as well. So it was just kind of a natural uh, partnership to increase. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My cat was just like jumping up onto the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, anyway, it's the life of working at home, right? Um, yeah, <laughs> we got some some entertainment in the background. <laughs> yeah, our our relationship with Waste Not, I feel like, has really been able to like to flourish through this pandemic. Uh, mm -hmm. All of the unfortunate circumstances that have come about through the pandemic um, have really helped us strengthen our relationship with one another. All those again, just the different changes in the food system that have happened. And our food needs have grown in our dining rooms and with our food boxes, families that have never accessed services before accessing them now more than ever. Uh, our family dining room is, uh, I, I, I want to say great, it's not great, an unfortunate example of that. 
uh, our numbers have almost tripled from, you know, 125 persons a night to over 400 some nights. So the, the influx of those ready to go food products have really helped us be able to meet those needs while not having the workforce of our volunteers, while socially distancing employees, you know, we were asked to meet the need without having our needs internally being met with people and bodies to do the work. So yeah, it can't be a more perfect relationship. It's really, like you said, like the salad and go relationship has been so amazing. I don't know if you want to share that at all, Kate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think this is a great example. So um, Salad and Go is, as we all know, or we all should know, is an amazing <laughs> company with a great culture. And um, they just do so much for the community. Uh, their business model is amazing. They pay great wages to their staff members. I mean, they're just kind of an overall ideal of a pretty amazing um, social enterprise almost. Um, so. They approached us and they said, you know, we'll give you guys, I think it was 1,500 salads. We'll give you guys the ingredients, the fresh ingredients uh, to make 1,500 salads. And of course, we have vehicles. We don't have commercial kitchens. So we thought, well, who of our partners has a commercial kitchen to put these salads together? Um, because they're giving us huge bags of beautiful ingredients. Yeah. And um, like just amazing ingredients for the, if you think about the perfect um, food donation for the clients that, you know, need it in the community, this is perfect. Like it's just so nutritious. It's fresh. It's beautiful. Um, It's packaged, you know, really nicely. So there's dignity in that and everything else that goes, goes on with that. So we called Danielle and we said, okay, we've got ingredients for food. <laughs> like, is that good? Is that bad? You know, can you use yeah. it? What do you want to do? Um, yeah, I remember getting that manifest and going, how many pounds of lettuce? Where is this coming from? Like, There's a couple extra zeros on this, right? No? Right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so we were so excited. We're like, oh my God, 1,500 salads. This is amazing. And then they said, well, how about if we do this every week? And we're like, What? so yeah so it's been incredible we go out um to their facility out in the southwest valley and we pick up amazing food and we can deliver it to St. Vincent de Paul that way they're not spending their time and money transporting food that's kind of our niche yep um and they can not have to spend money on that food. They can spend that money doing their, you know, core mission, kind of just all the things that they do to um, serve people in need in the community. So it's just a, it's just a great win-win situation. And there is going to be more of that. We've got um, a partnership coming up, a big, huge project coming up. And um, it'll just be more of the same of, of that type of relationship. So yeah. Now you get to walk into the St. Vincent de Paul kitchen on Wednesdays and our prep tables are covered in orange salad and go bowls and you'll <laughs> get to go anywhere uh, that we serve in the community between Wednesday and Friday and see people enjoying nutritious meals in a time that nutrition and health can't be more important. And just it's fresh ingredients, which is 
unfortunately kind of rare to come into the food banking world with fresh product that someone is giving to us brand new with intentions of us being the first recipients, um, which is such a great company in Salad and Go for them to help their community. And they're a local Arizona company too. So they're they're helping helping their home state. So yeah, I great, love that. Great. I love that. And like you were saying, not only fresh ingredients, but something like you know salad greens and things like that. Like that doesn't last long. Like that needs to get out there and into the community. So how great that! And I'm sure that you know they recognized that. You know, and I think it goes without saying that when you think back now, okay, that you know this lettuce didn't just magically appear at the salad and go (laughs) distribution center. You know, they have farmers that are like, what are we now going to do with all of this produce? Um, You know, and kind of going back again to um, your mission there at Waste Not, Kate, is when you were talking about, you know, you are in the business of food rescue. So if it wasn't for your organization, this food is going into is going into a landfill somewhere, and it's just you know what a what a waste on so many levels. So many levels. I mean, so much time and money and resources go into growing nutritious food and delivering it um, to people. The lost natural resources used to grow the food and the wasted dollars associated with transporting it, and just the negative impacts and consequences on our environment and our economy. So as, and and the worst part is that as food is being thrown out, millions of people uh, face the realities of hunger across the country. It makes no sense in the world. We have enough food. Um, And it's our job at Waste Not to identify that excess food. Where is it? And get it to people who need it. There's so many families too when we're able to give families that come through our now our family evening meal drive through instead of a family dining room. We're able to give them these produce bags filled with food that would have been going into landfills. Mm. And it's wonderful products. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be in the landfill. It should be in someone's home being cooked or in our kitchen being prepped to serve to people in need. Um, it, it's, there's no need for it. There's so many people that need it. And I like how, uh, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces to what you both do, but at the end of the day, it is really, uh, you keep it simple and try not to complicate things. Like you mentioned, um, you know, salad and go, that's not their, it's not their business, you know, model to deliver (laughs) these things to St. Vincent de Paul, but guess what? You know how to do that. And so I think finding those partnerships where everybody knows their strengths and then, can, you know, work together in those strengths really is what is making this impact so impactful (laughs) and and so big in the community. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, it surprises me. I've been in the nonprofit industry for over 20 years and there is an insane amount of competition for funding and relationships and in-kind donations and financial donations and all of that. And if we could just each find kind of our niche and do what, you know, do what we do well, focus on that and kind of share the wealth. And, um, you know, we, we really take pride in, at Waste Not in making connections, making community connections. Yeah. Like you said, well, once you kind of find your niche, if, if, you can find a way to do it efficiently, that's obviously going to reap the best rewards and impact in the community. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, at St. Mr. Paul, one of the ways that we're able to be so holistic in service to the community is because of those partnerships Kate's talking about. You know, we we have partners that are experts in finding people jobs, experts in mental health, in medical, in food rescue. Uh, you know, we're, we're a great outlet because people come to us for that initial meal to have partners that offer those wraparound services and help us strengthen our mission. Um, it's how we're able to really help people. Yeah. And did you want to touch on Danielle? I mean, I know we said at the beginning of the show that, you know, we're going to focus on the food today and and your meal programs, but tell us a little bit more about some of those other programs that you just kind of touched on there at St. Vincent de Paul. So like you said, people come in there because, you know, maybe just because they need a meal, but then you do have those wraparound services that can help them in other ways too. Yeah. So uh, I mentioned before, we have our five dining rooms uh, and then we distribute food boxes throughout the state of Arizona. We have uh, 80 volunteer run kind of local neighborhood locations. Uh, We have a day center for the homeless where individuals can come and receive showers and clothing. And then we have lots of outside partners that use our office spaces to offer their services to our guests and help them hopefully end their homelessness or prevent their homelessness Uh, We have a 60-bed shelter called Ozanam Manor. It's a transitional shelter for uh, veterans um, and seniors and disabled individuals. Uh, Through the pandemic, we've really taken steps to make sure that our shelter residents are are safe and staying well. We have a medical and dental clinic uh, that when the pandemic hit, our medical clinic took on telemedicine. Uh, We're still doing that. It's been a a really cool thing that I think we'll continue uh, to do telemedicine after the pandemic. It's been great and ease of access for people in need. And then our dental clinic as well, we're, we're back in the clinic doing, uh, you know, emergency services. Um, we also have thrift stores throughout, throughout the county. So we have five thrift stores that run. So you can call us to pick up donations if you have furniture or, or clothing items. Um, we can recycle them and sell them in our stores. Uh, we also have urban farms. Uh, we have three farms. Each farm is kind of co-located with the dining room. So our dining rooms were able to compost our food waste that is no longer edible or can't be served on the farm and use it to grow fresh organic produce that we then get to pull out of the farms, add to our salads or cook in our kitchen uh, or give out to families in need to bring in to, to their own homes to cook. So we do a lot of different things. It takes a lot of community help and volunteers to make it possible um, and a lot of partnerships as well from different organizations to help us, again, help us bring that holistic service to people. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there's never be bored. Just come volunteer at St. Mr. Paul. Uh, never throw anything away. Call us. We, we have an outlet for it or call Waste Not. They have an outlet for it too. So yeah. yeah. No, and it sounds like, like you mentioned, you have some great partnerships and, and same with you, um, with Kate with Waste Not and um, the organizations that you're working with in the community. Um, And as you uh, kind of alluded to, just, you know, just the way that some of these partnerships have really carried everybody through this and made it possible to, uh, to, to stay around and continue your missions in the community. 
what are maybe some, I don't, I don't know if I want to call them lessons learned, but maybe some things that you have, have learned through these last couple of months that maybe um, kind of surprised you or, you know, Danielle, you said telemed, you're like, oh gosh, we were probably going to continue on with this. We learned something here. Anything else like that, that you've learned along the way that you're thinking this is something that we can definitely continue with? I, I, I think that we've learned a few things. Number one, that we can make decisions and do things differently very quickly. Uh, we're all a lot more adaptable than we probably thought we were. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think this, this kind of stress and pressure really just almost forces innovation. Um, so some things that we were planning on doing, you know, a year from now, we got done in one week and we had to do it. And that's just, you know, how it was. So, you know, we, I think we know now that it takes a lot less time to do some of the things that we, that we want to accomplish. Um, so that's been amazing. Uh, we've learned that our partners are so open to, change and adapting to, to new situations and requirements. I just, I feel like we've also learned that the community steps up in a big way when, when there's a need. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of good things have come out of this. I mean, it's definitely an unfortunate, terrible situation, but there's definitely a silver lining. We've got new partnerships. We've got you know, online training for our volunteers. Now we can do a lot more virtually. We've all learned how to work Zoom inside and <laughs> be more efficient. I don't think any of us are going to go back to the regular eight to five kind of model after this. We all know that we can be so much more effective and productive doing things remotely or doing things, meetings via Zoom and it's better for the environment. I think there's a lot of lessons learned. Yeah. Yeah, I think for us, we've, you know, that adaptability has just been strengthened even more. Uh, our staff at Saints DePaul has truly just been incredible through all of this. Uh, they're frontline workers by all sense of that word. Uh, they haven't stopped. They show up every day to serve the community, even if it means doing it by themselves, uh, which is out of the ordinary with I agree. I don't think we will go back to necessarily what it used to be. I I think we've found some better ways of doing things, some safer ways of doing things. It's given us ways to engage people that we weren't able to before, whether it's through uh, virtual drives. Um, we're figuring out how to do a fundraising event, uh, <laughs> not being in a room with 1,500 people. I think we'll learn a lot of new skills and have learned a lot of new skills with this and that connectivity is still possible even while social distancing, uh, that warmth and hospitality is still possible even behind a, a face mask. You know, we're learning to smile with our eyes and, um, <laughs> and, and still be able to, to give that warmth even in our new kind of sterile environment. Yeah. I, I I think a lot of positives will come out of this for all of us. Yeah, no, I have no doubt on that with both of you. What, um, any big goals? <laughs> I mean, just getting through this, I'm sure, but any, you know, any other big goals for your organizations for the, for the rest of this year? What are some things that you're really looking forward to? Well, we are looking forward to really scaling our Meal Connect um, program, our new app, uh, Food Rescue app, and that technology. 
So we're going to do um, a big push with the restaurant industry and uh, make sure that they realize that we're here to be an answer for for that excess food. We're also going to be moving forward with a project with a a major uh, food and beverage company where they have hundreds of stores that are going to be donating to us here soon. Um, and St. Vincent de Paul will be the recipient of a lot of that product. So yeah, just, I think continuing on, we've got an aging fleet of trucks. So we're anxious to um, replace some of those vehicles over the next couple of years. And we're going to do um, a pretty major rebrand of Waste Not. So that's, that's on our, on our plan as well. So we've had, kind of the same look and feel and logo and aesthetics um, for 32 years and nothing has changed. Um, <laughs> so why not now while everything else is changing, right? Yeah. What the heck? <laughs> Throw something else in. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll do some of that work too. So a lot of exciting stuff. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. Uh, at St. Fitz de Paul, I mean, uh, through the pandemic, there's been a huge, huge growth in need with the moratorium ending at the end of this month, we're really kind of preparing ourselves to help even more families in need uh, and prevent homelessness for people that are on the verge, especially after after that moratorium is done. So we're finding ways to reach more people. We're going to start doing and continuing doing some of that um, over-the-phone assistance through our resource center and helping people with rent and utilities We also are figuring out new ways to do heat relief services. Uh, That's a big role for us in the summertime is to open up our buildings and let people come in for relief and respite in the summer. So we figured out different ways to do some things outside and create different environments. So we're kind of adding on to our infrastructures at all of our sites to to be able to keep providing those services. Uh, We also have some plans kind of through the end of this year to build more robust service programs at all of our dining rooms. Uh, Some of the spaces that our dining rooms are at were kind of, were kind of it in a sense. Uh, So the people are are coming to us and receiving those meals and we want to establish some more partnerships with agencies that do more than just a meal and give people those wraparound services. So we're, we're excited about that. Well, that's great. Well, as we wrap up today, I want to give you both the opportunity. So for any businesses or individuals that are listening in right now, how can they reach out to you? What's, what would be you know, the ideal way for them to get in touch with you or learn more about being involved? And I'll start with you, Kate, with Waste Not. Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, they could, uh, they can email us, they can find us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all of that. But wastenotaz.org is our website. And that's probably the best way. Um, All of our phone numbers are on there, our emails, contact information. Um, If people want to make a financial donation to help keep our trucks on the road and providing this type of services that we um, provide for our 60 nonprofit partners. They can do that on our website, um, or they could just give us a call. Great. And then, how about the the app that you were talking about? Is that something that um, is available to caterers or restaurants or whomever it may be? Um, yeah. How do they get in touch with you about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, they would. They can just 
give us a call. Um, and the information is also on our website, wastenotaz.org. Um, but the app is, yes, for uh, food businesses. And they can download the app and we can give them credentials and they could be on their way posting for all eternity. Um, <laughs> one phone call. One no, phone call. And it's so easy. It's so easy. We've that's just been what we've heard from all of our restaurant partners is that they don't have time. I mean, that's just a hustle bustle kind of a business. And they just, know, they just thank us so much. Oh, this is so easy. It's so simple. It's so fast. So absolutely. If, if someone works in the food service industry or knows of someone who does, and everybody hates throwing away good food. And yeah. with Waste Not Around and this Meal Connect app, you don't have to. Great. And then Danielle, how about the St. Vincent de Paul? For those who are wanting to get involved more, what can they do? I mean, uh, same thing, visit our website, stvincentdepaul.net. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and donate. Donate food, non-perishables, water, money, furniture. Uh, we have ways to get all of those things to people that need it and make sure that it all goes to good use. Uh, also for summer relief, you can visit summerrelief.org and help us with our heat relief efforts and our water efforts uh, all throughout the Arizona community. So come give back. Uh, I would love to invite you all to volunteer. We'll get there again very soon. So visit our website. You can sign up ahead of time and we'll see you soon. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, loved getting to know more about each of your programs. Um, I'm sure we just, you know, scratched the surface, especially Danielle with St. Vincent de Paul and everything that's going on over there. I, you mentioned the gardens and then I was like, gardens, I want to talk about gardens now. And, and you, can, you can definitely come volunteer on the farms too. Yeah. Yeah. Distance very easily. They're big. Oh, wow. You can do a show, an entire show on each of St. Vincent de Paul's individual programs. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. They're amazing. <laughs> Well, that's great that both of you um, were able to continue these services because so important, you know, now more than ever um, to get that fresh food out there to in the community um, to those who need it. So I'm so excited that I was able to have you both on today to talk about that. And yes, any of the resources that we talked about today, we'll make sure that we get those linked when this is then set up as a podcast afterwards. So great. thank you both so much. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's been a great opportunity. Good. Thank you. You've been listening to 3C Amplified, where we share how others are connecting, creating, and collaborating to amplify their impact. And we hope we've inspired you to do the same in your community. If you are a fellow changemaker and want to build connections, create relationships, and collaborate with others to make positive change, Join the online community built to support and engage people like you wanting to amplify their impact in communities around the world. Visit 3CAmplified.com slash community to learn more. Until next time, I'm Jacqueline Destrems with Another Hand Advantage. Let me help create a digital marketing strategy to put your organization's mission in front of your target audience and highlight the impact you're having in your community. You can visit anotherhandadvantage.com to learn more and connect.